Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 46. Today we are going to talk about some of the latest NFL news, including one quarterback who got paid massively, as well as the NFC West and what we think might happen in that division. My name is Cyrus. I have my uh, co-hosts Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan here with me today. How are you fellas doing? Doing great. We're going to talk about the best team in football today for a little bit. And it's I not the Seattle that, Seahawks. We did that last episode, though, with the Packers. That was two episodes no, ago. Last episode. We did it two episodes, or th- no. was it three, when we talked about the Eagles. They're always on my mind, so, you know, <laughs> I just, they're every episode for me. <laughs> Fair no, enough. No, but in, in reality, I think we might be looking at the best division in football here. I mean, we have the last two teams to lose the Super Bowl in this division, including your Niners, Durgan, that lost last year. Oof. We have some of the best players in the NFL in this division. Russell Wilson, Aaron Donald, I mean, Kittle. Now we got DeAndre Hopkins in this division. Um, so this is a pretty stacked division, and I think every team has playoff potential, honestly, like from top yeah. to bottom. Obviously, some are contenders more than others, but I think all of these teams are talented. And for some, the future is bright. Uh, for others, they need to fix some things. But I'm excited to dive into this with you. Yeah, I think top to bottom, it's probably the, the strongest uh there's no team that's going to be a pushover and especially i feel like the nfc west out of all divisions is always sort of like you never know what's going to happen in these division games like when, even when the cardinals were bad they would beat the seahawks once or the niners once or the rams once or whatever um so you sort of throw the records everyone always says that but i feel like for some divisions it's more true than others and yeah. the nfc west is definitely uh, a lot of parity within yeah. That being said, let's let's dive into it, but let's switch it up a little bit. Usually we kind of each give our breakdowns of the entire division. Let's do team by team and go from sort of the consensus who we think might be towards the bottom all the way to the top and have a conversation about each team and where we think they might finish and what, what we uh, think they need to improve on or what, they're, what they have uh, as an advantage in this division. Let's start with the Rams. So me personally, I, th- I have this team at the bottom of the division. That's why I'm starting with it. Where do you guys, what are you guys thinking about the Rams uh, in the NFC West? Yeah, I, I have them at the bottom too, but barely. I would not be surprised if they sort of have a resurgence. I have them at 9-7 and seven, uh, and missing the playoffs. I actually have three, three playoff teams, so spoiler alert. Ooh. All other three teams uh, in this division are making the playoffs for me. Um, but yeah, I have, I have them at 9-7 and seven for some issues that we can get into but what about you Durgan? yeah i got them at seven and nine uh by a tiebreaker they're ahead of the cardinals so i also have at seven and nine spoiler alert but yeah kind of saying what you said i, I wouldn't be surprised that they went 10 and 6 or 11 and 5 the rams are kind of the more most unpredictable team in this division in my opinion uh just because they have a really thin roster yeah yeah i i have them at uh seven and nine too and i I think this team had a bad offseason. Like, I, I honestly think they got worse than they than they did better. That, that was worded terribly. But I feel like <laughs> they didn't get better. And it's because they, they kind of went all in, right? They pushed all their chips into the center of the table and they lost. And they, they had their chance at a Super Bowl. And they're in kind of cap hell at the moment. I mean, you lost Eric Weddle. You lost Dante Fowler. You had to cut Todd Gurley. Clay Matthews is gone. Corey Littleton is gone. This team, I mean, I just... They're still solid. I mean, Jared Goff's a solid quarterback. You have the best defensive player in football, unquestionable in my in my mind. But 
you know, Cam Akers, kind of a weird pick, mm-hmm. drafting a running back with your second uh, round pick when you don't have a first because you traded it for um, uh, Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't know. There's a lot of question marks with this team. You know, can Jalen Ramsey play how you expect him to when you trade that many picks for him? He, he probably needs to uh, for this team to be competitive, but I'm, I'm not sold on the Rams. No, I mean, I agree. They're so, on defense, they're so top-heavy. I mean, their they're one-two punch on defense is probably the best in the league. I mean, look at Ramsey and Donald. But then they have no linebackers. Besides Donald on the defensive line, you mentioned they lost Fowler Jr., lost Littleton on linebacker, who was a lean tackler. And I looked at the linebackers, I had never heard other guys they're going to put out there this year. Uh, Taylor Rapp is a safety. He's not bad. But, once again, he lost Weddle. So, there is so thin. And they also lost Wade Phillips, who is yep. a great defensive coordinator. Uh, yeah. that, that can't be understated as well. I mean, he is older. Uh, I think he's retired now, unofficially retired. But he was a great defensive mind. And, boy, wonder, Sean McVay doesn't coach defense. Like He just ignores that entire part of the game. So, you're really relying on the unproven defensive coordinator to carry this team. Yeah, uh, for me, I think all those concerns are valid, but it, for me, it's it's the offensive line. And mm-hmm. that offensive line was ranked 31st last year. The year before that, when they went to the Super Bowl, they were like a top five off- offensive line. And they there really wasn't any change in personnel along that line. Um, so that could give you hope or concern. If, if that offensive line can return to form, Jared Goff is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, number six over the last couple of years uh, in the NFL when he's in a clean pocket when he's in a unclean pocket he's he looks like jamarcus russell throwing it into the stands or into the dirt or wherever um but especially for a mcveigh offense that emphasizes play action and zone running game and these longer developing routes an offensive line is super important if you can't protect long enough for these routes to develop or you can't block for the run game, that play action disappears and all of a sudden the offense starts to stagnate. And I think that's sort of what we started to see last year, even though they had a ton of weapons um, with with Gurley, even though he was banged up, you, he could still do, be good in spurts. You had Brandon Cooks um, and obviously you have Cooper Cup and, and Robert Woods. Um, so if that offensive line can solidify and sort of get back to form, I think we could see them be Super Bowl contenders because most of the pieces are still there on offense. They've never, even when they went to the Super Bowl, they weren't like this dominant, fantastic defense, even though Wade Phillips is a good coach. he's He can be a little bit vanilla. He runs what he runs, and he runs it really, really well, sort of yeah. like what the Seahawks did for a long time. Um, and I think that's why McVay moved on from him. It was like, I want you to... He looked at Belichick and what Belichick did in that Super Bowl and how he tailored his defense and changed everything to fit exactly what the Rams did on offense and just completely shut them down. And Wade Phillips just did what he does every time, and he wanted that from his defensive coordinator. Is that a good move? I'm not sold on it, but um, I think those are the main issues they, they need to address. That offensive line and obviously those those free agent departures may may hurt them a bit. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head, and I really wish they had looked offensive line in the second round if somebody was there that, mm-hmm. that they felt could could step in. I mean, your best player on the offensive line is probably Andrew Whitworth at mm-hmm. left tackle, and he's 38 years old. Yeah. Um, so you need somebody in the wings. They don't have that, and it would have been nice to see them kind of fill a few holes that are more crucial and important, I think, for Jared Goff's success and long-term success than drafting a backup running back to, to play behind Daryl Henderson Jr., 
in Cam Akers. And I don't, I don't really see the logic behind that. I mean, obviously Cam Akers could come out and ball out, but you know, at the same time, I just feel like there's so many other holes that they, they could have filled to help their franchise QB. I mean, no one's going to block for Cam Akers. There's no point in drafting him. And they, yeah. in, in their second, second round pick, they went wide receiver with Van Jefferson, who's a good player. But like Casey mentioned, they got Cooper Cup, they got Robert Woods, even Josh Reynolds. I mean, he's been on the yeah. team for a while. He's not a terrible th- uh, third receiver. You could have waited until the fifth, sixth round and still gotten a really good receiver who played for you. Yeah, that's totally, what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't think they got any contributors nope. in the draft. Like any anybody right away that's going to step in. Yeah. I don't think they got one. I mean, they're the only team in the division that got worse. I mean, you can argue some of these teams stayed the same, but the Rams got worse. Like, they didn't get anybody who's going to change the game for them. The one thing I will say, though, Jared Goff is still young. Oh, yeah. So if he can still take, you know, if he can take a leap and... and uh, I know Casey's really high on Jared Goff as a player. If he can, if he can progress and and develop, and you know, take this team, put it on his back, there's a chance that they're good. Like Jared Goff has the talent. It's it's if he can put it together and if he can stay upright. So yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. I think speaking of teams that that uh, got better, unlike the Rams, let's move on to our third team. Let's talk about the Cardinals. And to me. I think this is the most interesting team in the division. Yep. I wish this was like I, I honestly wish this was the Hard Knocks team instead of the Chargers. <laughs> I just feel like there's a lot of different things going on here, and it, it's going to be really cool to see how everything meshes and comes together. I mean, I, how dare you say that uh, it's just the Chargers? The Rams are on Hard Knocks too. Okay, we get to see those sexy new uniforms that they've got. So, oh God! Uh, if you're not excited for that, I don't know what'll get you excited. I mean, the Rams. I feel like. They've been on hard knocks. Like I feel like they're on hard knocks. Like every four <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah, so. every year they are. So, that is true. They, that is very true. Less excited, but there's just there's just a lot of new things to be excited about if you're a Cardinals fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely true. I think they have like the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Kenyon Drake balled out last year after they traded for him in the beginning of the season. He can clearly play and produce in that system. Um, Fitzgerald is aging, but he's still productive. He has super reliable hands. Um, Hopkins is obviously a beast. Um, and they even have some good tertiary guys in uh, Christian Kirk and Isabella. Um, so they have all the pieces. They just don't have a ton of offensive line. And that was the big issue. Um, Kyler Murray took a, a ton of sacks last year. He threw some interceptions. Um, and he took ownership from that for, for that um, about not getting the ball out. Um, throwing the ball away and that kind of stuff so that could change i think josh jones was a steal on the offensive line they got him in the third round um but that line overall is still pretty shaky um so again sort of the same thing as the ramps if if that offensive line performs well um i think there's a lot of reason for optimism i'm not huge on kyler in general um but sometimes you see that huge year two leap for for sophomore quarterbacks especially so um those things sort of congeal on offense i think they can be really really uh explosive and and keep themselves in games while while that defense is still building because that defense is not there yet well and that was one of the biggest weaknesses last year i mean they, they did go out and make a concerted effort to address that though with four out of their six draft picks being on the defensive side of the ball including isaiah simmons who i think will have play a big part in this defense next year so i think i think this team i think their ceiling is 10 and 6 I don't think they are ten and six. They're probably nine and seven. Yeah, that's where, where I'd I take them. At, yeah, yeah, nine and seven. I think I think that's realistic. But 
you know, I really don't view Kenyon Drake as um, as much of a uh, downgrade from David Johnson, especially if Kenyon Drake plays and David Johnson has like a finger injury or a toe injury and can't can't be on the field. You know, Kenyon Drake is a good player. I think he was like a fourth round pick, but he's a legit threat in this league, both running the ball and as a pass catcher. So I like him in the backfield. I think the trio of wide receivers they have in DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, and Christian Kirk is one of the best in the league, actually. DeAndre Hopkins, in, in, to me, is top three. I think he's he's phenomenal. Larry Fitzgerald, you know, I'll use the same saying I have for a few other players. He's clearly made a deal with Father Time. <laughs> he's consistent. He'll he'll catch the ball if he can if you can get him if you can scheme him and and you know get him open he'll he'll catch that ball. And Christian Kirk is a good player. He's got some wiggle. He's coming into I think his second year. He'll he'll uh, he'll play well. So this team has all the tools. They do need to improve that offensive line. I think Josh Jones steps in right away at right tackle, though, and, and does have an impact. Um, and then I think they improved on defense. So I like this team a lot. I'm, I'm kind of excited for this. And it's the most it's the most um, unpredictable team, I think, in this league, or in this division, excuse me. I mean, I'm a huge Kyler Murray fan. Now, out of draft, I thought he was going to be a bust. I thought he was too small, the quarterback. But I think he's going to become what Lamar Jackson the media thinks of him and as a real true dual threat thrower. I mean, he played baseball. He's a first round pick by the A's. I mean, guy has a cannon for an arm. He could run. Yeah, Ken, Kenyon Drake, really good player. He's going to be huge in fantasy this year. And my favorite all-time stat is the fact that Larry Fitzgerald has more tackles than he does drops. That is absolutely insane. But Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, he's been killing the Niners for years. I love the guy. And this team... Beat the Niners, almost beat the Niners twice last year. Should have beat the Niners twice yeah. last year. That's crazy. Uh, the defense, Chandler Jones, kind of low-key, one of the best defensive players in the league. True sack artist. Isaiah Simmons, you mentioned. I don't like the fit. I don't like Vance Joseph as the defensive coordinator. But you line him up against George Kittle, and that's, you're, that's he's going to stop him. I mean, he's going to slow him down for sure. Uh, he's not as physical as Kittle, but he's just as quick and the same size. And, of course, you got Patrick Peterson, who's still a pretty good corner. Uh, took a step back last year, but he can still play. And uh, Buda Baker, also, is free safety, one of the best in the league. The one problem I have with him, though, the reason why I have him at 7-9, is I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is a good coach. I don't. I mean, I saw him choke away both games against the Niners last year. If he coached like he should have, they win those they, both those games by two scores. But well, you could make the same argument that the Niners choked away those games because they the, there was a yep. huge talent discrepancy that the Cardinals shouldn't have even been in those games. So the fact that they were competitive could also be contrary to what you're saying and that Cliff Kingsbury did his job well, well he did, to make his team have a chance to win. He did his job for three quarters or two or half, wherever you want to talk, but he just can't close games. He has a <laughs> She had the Shanahan syndrome. When it comes to the end of the games, gonna, I'm glad I was, you said that. I was, I'm so glad you said that too. I was, say, I was has, thinking that too. He has a Shanahan syndrome, but like during regular season games, I'm during important ones, which I mean doesn't get noticed as much. But he gets to the point where he kind of panics and wants Kyler Murray to just become a quarterback and not a playmaker that he is. And if he lets Kyler Murray off the leash, which he very well could in the second year, and I have more trust in him in this offense, yeah, the Cardinals could be a legit contender. Uh, I think they're a team that's just one year away, though. They can get another defensive lineman or another linebacker. They'll be legit. Like, they will be Super Bowl contender legit level. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't think anyone's saying they're a Super Bowl contender right now. No, no, but yeah. But I don't saying, think you can lay blame on Cliff Kingsbury at all. Like, I think he did what he, the best he could with what he had, which was a very talent-deficient team. I mean, this team, there was a reason they were in a position to take Kyler Murray, right? That's true. And it wasn't because they were they were they had a bunch of talent across the board. So if they have a positive record this year, even if they go 8-8, eight and eight, I think it's I think it's a success and they're trending in the right direction. I think Cliff Kingsbury is a good coach, and I think he'll prove it to you this year. I think, I think even 7-9 and nine would be good because it, it's a tough division. I mean, if they were in, no offense, Casey, the NFC North, I think they're better than the Vikings. And they're not pushing the Packers for a spot at the top, but they are battling with them. If they I are don't in, think they're better than the Vikings, but... I don't think they the are either. I think they're better than the Vikings. I think they're a step behind the Eagles in terms of like the teams that can fight for a, a wild card. A step behind the Cowboys as well. But I think they're better than the Vikings. Uh, better than, as we talked about, the Rams. And then the other scrubs you have at NFC. This team can make the playoffs. I'm not going to say they won't. I just think they're a year away from being legitimate contenders. Yeah, I mean, I have them at ten and six. I think I said nine and seven earlier, but ten and six feels about right to me. And the last spot in the playoffs for the NFC—they're the number seven seed, and they feel like the number seven or eight, yep. nine team in the NFC to me. Um, so I think that sort of fits what they have-ish. And like you said, I think they need like one more pass rusher, and they need to sort of get someone outside of Patrick Peterson in the secondary to put across the field from mm-hmm. him, um, and then they'll sort of be cooking with gas so to speak yeah. and, and moving somewhere 100 yeah it's it's gonna be kyler murray if he takes the jump this team the ceiling is the sky is the limit um so we'll see that'll be interesting let's move on to our next team i think we all have seattle number two mm-hmm. yep is that correct durgan or did you have the niners number two no 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 <laughs> I, I put on my big j journalist cap this time and uh the seahawks had two Nice. Okay. okay. And, Proud and of you. the Seahawks, I mean, their roster is, I think, a little bit above average, but they have Russell Wilson, the true MVP of the league. He's carried this team the past three or four years. Uh, offensively, I mean, they've had an inconsistent running game. Chris Carson has been good when he plays, but can't stay healthy. Uh, they had Doug Baldwin, a receiver, for a long time. He retired. Now Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf looked like a pretty decent one two punch. Uh, but the questions are on defense, in my opinion. Does Clowney come back? And do you need him? Do you pay him? I wouldn't. You have Bobby Wagner, who is historically one of the best pass defenders for linebacker, but was horrendous last year. Does he go back to his previous ways, or does he not? Don't know. Pete Carroll, as much as I hate him and think he looks like Ellen DeGeneres, and he's a cheater for leaving <laughs> USC when they were going down, He's an absolute fraud, but he's a good coach. Sure. I mean, it's it's definitely not the Legion of Boom anymore. It's sort of like the Legion of, of Boop. Um, <laughs> but they Legion still have boop? peace. Boop. Like, just boop. 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 I booped you. Like uh, how you, bo- you boop like a gentle. dog on the nose. Yeah. yeah. A little more Got gentle. Um, like you said, Legion of Poop. Well, they're getting close. <laughs> a couple injuries, <laughs> and that's where they are. Uh but I think just by if they can just stay healthy, especially running backs and tight ends. Uh, I mean, at the end of the last year, they were down three of their starting offensive linemen. Uh, Will Disley wasn't available, and they were signing Marshawn Lynch off the street after Chris Carson and company went down within yeah. like a two-week span. They lost all their running backs. So if they can just 
stay healthy, I think that helps a lot. Um, if, if those guys are all healthy, I think maybe they beat the Niners at the end of the season. Um, they were one yard away. Obviously, it's it's hard to play what ifs, but that totally changed the landscape of, of the NFC. Um, the, the Niners don't get home field advantage. Who knows if they make it to the playoffs or not to the playoffs, to the Super Bowl um, and so on and so forth. So I think just by being healthy, they could improve that way because I don't think they improved a ton in the draft. Um, and uh, like I said, I don't think the defense is as strong as it was. It's solid. It's a middle tiering to, I don't know, 16 to 10 defense um, in, in the in the league. Um and outside of that, I mean, DK Metcalf played really, really well. I, I think he's going to take a big leap in, in year number two. Um, and they have enough outside with him and Lockett to, to move stuff down the field. It's just, uh, can they be consistent and healthy? Because um, like you said, Russell Wilson can make some magic. He just needs guys to make magic with. Um, so, Yep. Listen, there's one guy who's going to make or break this team. And it is Jordan Brooks, first round pick. Just kidding. That, I don't understand that pick at all. But look, every year, year in, year out, I'm like, damn, Seattle doesn't really look that great on paper. Like, oh, damn, Seattle didn't really draft that well. Or ah, what? Did, who did Seattle add in the offseason? And it's never anything astonishing or amazing. I mean, oh, Greg Olson, great. You got a 36-year-old tight end who's solid. But every single year, they're competitive, without a doubt, mm-hmm. every single year. And it's because of Russell Wilson. I mean, he's he is up there in the conversation for best quarterback in the league. I mean, it's him and Patrick Mahomes. I don't even know who else you would put in that number one spot, really, or two spot. Yeah, I think those are the top two. Yeah. Yeah. And he, more than any quarterback, puts his team on his back and carries them to victories. So I'm not counting this team out. I think they're not as good as the Niners just across the board. And, and, you know, it takes more than one player to, to win championships. But this team, man, they'll go as far as Russell Wilson can carry them. And I'm not a fan of what they did in the offseason. I never am. I just said it every single year. I'm, like, <laughs> confused by what they do. But, you know, they'll 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 probably be in the playoffs as they normally are. And, and Greg Olson, I'm sure he'll have a decent season. Quentin Dunbar coming in at corner might help them a little bit. But, you know, I think they lose Clowney. I think he ends up in Las Vegas probably or uh, somewhere else in the AFC. But, you know. I don't know. I'm excited for Week 17 versus the Niners in San Francisco. That'll be a fun game. I think that could be another one of those like seeding or division implication games. Um, but this team, I, I can't really give you a solid opinion on it because every year I have certain feelings and they just are never correct. So they're probably going to do well because I don't think <laughs> they have. <laughs> I don't think they have what it takes. But at the same time, they always prove me wrong. So Seattle, yeah. you know. I'm at 10 at 6 and getting the number 6 seed. So, uh, for whatever that's worth, like you said, um, one word of caution, they won a lot of, of one-score games last year. Mm-hmm. And over time, that tends to even out. So, um, if you're winning a lot of one-score games or losing a lot of one-score games one season, it tends to flip back the other way uh, within a season or two. And, and over time, that stuff sort of evens out. So, if you're whatever six and oh and one score games next year you're probably not going to be six and oh and one score games and if that's what the seahawks need um i don't know that they're going to get it and and that could really damage them especially outside if they drop a couple games that they should win um against lesser opponents uh that could really damage them because the nfc is pretty tight and and strong this year yeah yeah yeah. but as far as schedules go i think they have 
one of the easier ones in the division, I believe. You know, the team that I think has the toughest schedule is the next team that I think we're going to talk about here, which is the Niners. Um, there is a stretch within this that I'm concerned for them just because you, you play the Patriots, the Seahawks, the Packers, and the Saints all back-to-back week 7 through 10, um, which might not be great for you. You need to go You need to go 2-2 two and two in, that, in that stretch, I think. But I think we all can kind of agree, consensus here, this is the Niners' division to lose, right? Oh, yeah. They showed us last year. I mean, this is a team that went from the second pick in the draft to the Super Bowl in one season. You know, that never happens. I don't think we ever see that. So clearly they're doing something right. You know, interesting offseason. Every hole that was sort of left void, John Lynch did a pretty good job of filling. You traded Buckner for a first-round pick, which turned into Javon Kinlaw. You know, you got a little younger, cheaper at that position, maybe not as talented, but all the potential to be as talented. You get Brandon Ayuk to fill that Emmanuel Sanders role that that was uh, left when he went to the Saints. You traded for Trent Williams, which I thought was probably the best offseason move of any team to replace Joe Staley. Um, so this team really kind of is just as good as they were, and that's great, and that's that's right where they need to be. And I don't I don't really see any sort of drop off from last season. Yeah, uh, I mean, one word of caution: Debo's injury, from all reports, has gone well surgery went well um but there's reports that are saying 10 to 12 weeks and the wider range is 8 to 16 um and it's a notoriously sort of finicky injury julio jones dealt with it all year in 2017 he played through it and was still super productive then trent taylor uh didn't play at all some heal fast some heal slow it's a place on the foot where there's not a lot of blood flow so it can take a long time for for that injury to to heal Uh, And if he comes back on the later side of that, which is what I would do if I was the Niners, I think he's a super important piece and clearly has the talent level to be a a top receiver in this league. And I would play play it safe with him. one as a Packers fan because that helps us out if they drop a game because he doesn't play. But like, if he's going to be your your dude, uh, him and Kittle for the next X amount of years with Jimmy G, uh, I would I would think they'd want to play it safe. And the Niners' early slate is kind of soft. They have the Jets and the Giants, but they also have the Cardinals and the Eagles. And if they drop one or both of those games to the Cardinals and the Eagles, um, all of a sudden those could both have very big seeding implications later on in the year. Um, because if you have a tiebreaker, that's, that's, you know, especially to the Cardinals that can bump you down to a wild card and out of a, a first round buy if you have that number one seed and, and so on and so forth. So something to keep an eye on. That being said, I, I, I have them at 12 and four and getting the number two seed in the NFC. Um, but I, I think Debo is a really important player for them. And, and that would make me nervous if he doesn't play to start the year. Yeah, what you mentioned also sounds similar to last season. I mean, that was basically the the situation, right? If they don't beat Seattle, they're a wild card team. If they beat Seattle, they're first yep. they're mm-hmm. first seed. So I I could see that playing out exactly the same this season for sure. And I think if they if they do drop some games here, you know, Seattle could take advantage of that. But um, I have them at eleven and five. I think you know they may feel a little Super Bowl hangover this season initially, but I think the the soft schedule helps them get through that. And they're ready to compete. I, I, I mean, I honestly could see them going eight and zero at home this this year. I, I really could see that happening. And th- I look at this team on the depth chart, and it's just all the right places have the right talent, right? And I think Jimmy G is massively underrated as a quarterback. 
mean, we're talking about a guy who threw 27 touchdowns and 4,000 yards last season on a run-heavy team. So he has he has the ability to play well, and I think Shanahan and him are gelling. I think this team is hungry and ready to go push for what they felt was in their grasp last season. Um, so we'll see if Shanahan can swallow his food or if he chokes again. Oof. <laughs> Oof. All right, before I go on my long uh, soliloquy, no, what's that word? Soliloquy? Soliloquy. There you go. Today's vocabulary word of the day brought to you by dictionary.com. All right, so the first three games, like you mentioned, Arizona and both New York teams, I'm not overly worried. If you can go 2-1 and one in that stretch, that's fine. Debo, sit out those games. No rush. Uh, the center, Weston Richburg, who ruptured his quad, I believe, or his major injury to his leg, sit him out the first three games. There's no point rushing these guys back. But overall, this team, I think they'll they'll be fine. They'll be 12-4, and four, I think. Uh, so they're 13 and three, so it's a one game worse than last year. Uh, Jimmy G will play a lot better this year. Uh, this whole past season, as always, would say he's good for one bad throw a game. If you can eliminate that, then this team will cut down on turnovers and just get that much better. But they'll continue to be a run first team. You have Mozart, you got Coleman, Jeff Wilson Jr., who's like their short yards back. All he does is get touchdowns. And then Jarek McKinnon who was once a really promising running back with the Vikings, yeah. signed a massive deal uh, two years ago and hasn't played. Uh, had a very serious ACL injury. By all accounts, he's healthy. So I'm interested to see what he can do. Uh, mentioned Sanders is gone, but he didn't have much impact in the playoffs. He got Ayuk, Trent Taylor. You also mentioned had a foot injury. By all accounts, he's ready to go. And also Jalen Hurd might be the huge X factor. Uh, he was hurt all this past season, as were many Niners. But he was a stud coming out of college. Was a running back at Tennessee. Then played one year at Baylor as a receiver. And he's like 6'4", 6'3", 230 pounds. Line him up anywhere on the field, and he'll be dynamite. The defense, once again, they'll be fine. Uh, you lose Buckner, but you get Kinlaw. And they have a lot of big boys in the middle of the defense they can plug in. Worried about D Ford. That guy couldn't stay healthy last year, and he's getting paid $17 million. So, got to stay healthy, man. If you can get seven, eight sacks out of him, then that frees up Bosa on the other side, who's, uh, I think, who's, who should or could win Defensive Player of the Year, has that talent. And worried about corners. The corners are a dumpster fire, as you saw in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Sherman, love the guys later, overrated. He's not as good as he once was. Other side, you have Emmanuel Mosley, who's an undrafted uh, player. I believe he's in his second or third year now. And then Akello Witherspoon, who is soft as butter, and he sucks. So don't have much there. That being said, the linebackers are great. So they shut down anything over the middle in the short routes. Uh, but if they can get one corner step up, then this team has a good chance to once again make the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, an interesting thought that that I had when Cyrus was talking about home field advantage and the Niners going eight and zero. I think this division, maybe of all, might be the most impacted by uh, the coronavirus mm-hmm. because if there's no fans, there's no home field advantage, and these are kind of neutral fields now. Yeah, um, refs are influenced by the crowd making noise, um, complaining for calls, all that kind of thing. Crowd noise, false starts. You talk about Seattle's home home field advantage. Levi's was bumping a little bit last year when the Niners were rolling. Um, 
so all of a sudden now you're playing these these games these division games without a home field advantage essentially you got to travel and all that kind of stuff that's worth something but if there's no fans there these games are almost purely talent uh focused yeah and i think that's where the niners may have an upper hand advantage Mm -hmm. right seattle may have lesser talent but they have that bump and crowd they can win a home game against the niners whatever now if it's just a silent stadium and it's just my talent versus your talent i think that's when coaching and talent comes into play a lot more and i think shanahan's clearly the best coach in that division and the niners are clearly the most talented um but it'll be interesting to see a Seattle game without a crowd yeah. bumping there, and it'll be interesting to see a Niners game without Levi's Stadium fill, filled and uh, uh, all the, the noise that they make there too. Um, but like you said, uh, I think Kinlaw will be good. I don't think he's going to be Buckner right off the bat, obviously, but um, it may take him a while to, to get going. Um, same with Ayuk. Uh, I just wouldn't expect a ton from rookies in general this year on any team. Yeah. Right? Because they're not getting OTAs or mini camp or that rookie camp. Uh, they're going to be a little slower to develop than usual. So um, your veterans, those kind of guys, are going to have to make an impact early uh, until those rookies can get up to speed. True. Yeah. The one thing I will say, though, I think Ayuk has a bigger impact, especially if Debo's out, because he's the type of player where he, if you can get the ball in his hand, he'll make some plays and yards after catch. Um, so... Yeah, it'll be tough for him to learn the playbook in a condensed offseason. And yeah, you may not be able to run, you know, real reps with, with Jimmy G and things along those lines. Um, but I think Shanahan is one of the best coaches at scheming players open and also screen screen game. So if he can mm-hmm. get the ball to Ayuk, I think there's a possibility that he has some um, some impact right away. Is it going to be his ceiling? Absolutely not. It never really is, especially with wide receivers. But um, I think Ayuk is going to be an under-the-radar fantasy option as well, especially if Debo uh, isn't ready by the by the start of the season. Yeah. I mean, it also yeah. seems like this team, I mean, probably said for most teams, but they seem to genuinely care about each other. And they worked out in the offseason and got a little bit of trouble for that. Uh, and I thought I'd come down and say you can't do that anymore. But they're still working out. Uh, and all the veteran receivers are kind of going through the playbook with Ayuk and teaching them the kind of nuances of the game. So like, while he will be behind, I think he will have a faster learning curve because guys who have his positions and are in theory fighting for playing time with him are coaching him up, are telling him what to do, telling him how to be a pro, uh, which is very important. And last point I'll make uh, in response to Casey, I can't speak for the rest of the state's but in California, there's going to be no fans this year mm-hmm. in games. It just, I mean, it would take a miracle for that to happen. Um, I would say probably the same uh, in Seattle and Washington. They're kind of impacted the same as California. Uh, Arizona, who knows? Uh, they have a lot of bigger issues. They're special. Yeah, they have, they have a lot of bigger issues uh, currently going on. But the West Coast for sure will be affected by it. And said that's probably an advantage to the Niners because they have the most talent. And they are the team that's played together the most or I guess most games together. So it'll be something to keep an eye out for. Yeah. I also think, I mean, there's something about home field advantage, like you're saying, Casey, about playing, you know, with fans and, and things along those lines. But I think you can't underestimate the travel time and things along those lines. Like, especially if you're going coast to coast, like let's say you're the Seahawks and you're going to a road stretch that I think they have a few road games in New York. Yeah, um, sure. The time difference, just, you know, throwing off your normal routine as a player. I'm sure everybody sort of has a regimen they go through pre-game and uh, a lot of things like that. 
definitely is just not ideal versus you know when you're at home everything is comfortable you're familiar with with everything that's happening so uh i think that plays a factor too so home field advantage still exists is it as impactful as it would be with fans no obviously not but i still think um the niners could go eight and zero, and i think they do have a good home field advantage anyways mm-hmm. against the the teams For that they sure. play at home Agreed, agreed. Uh, let's move on from the NFC West here. We have some interesting news that happened this week. I think there's two things that, that I'd like to touch on, and you guys let me know what you think. Um, we'll start with Patrick Mahomes, who is now a very, very wealthy man. Yeah. Casey has some interesting thoughts on, on the longevity of that wealth and the rational the rationality behind signing a 10-year agreement. Um, let's start with you, Durgan. Though. What do you think of this, this signing and, and Mahomes' Signed a ten-year deal with the the Chiefs. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense for both sides. I mean, if I'm the Chiefs, I want Mahomes there for life, and if I'm Mahomes, you want the security of being there for the rest of your career. Uh, when I saw it was ten years, I thought it was going to be at minimum four hundred fifty million, and that's what it kind of ended up being. I think got just like five hundred three million overall based on incentives and stuff like that. But people were like, "Oh, you should have waited out for more. He should have." You know, ask for more money. You know, in this economy now, you get what you can get. If you can, if someone says, "Hey, you're going to get 450 million, and you have no trade clause," yeah, you take that. And also, he wants to be a part of the team. You know, if he takes up all the cap space, then his receivers won't be as good. His defense won't be as good, and you kind of become what Russell Wilson is to the Seahawks, where you have to win every single game for your team. Is he talented enough to do that? Absolutely. He could be He could be the greatest quarterback of all time when it's all said and done. Uh, my biggest question I saw on Twitter was that, you know, he is so likable. I mean, as an Iron fan, and he destroyed my hopes and dreams this past year. <laughs> he, he's a likable guy. His girlfriend's annoying as hell, but he's a very likable guy, very charismatic. Is, will that continue now that he's rich? Like, when, when's this heel turn coming? When's he going to become the bad guy? When that happens... I'll be so excited. I love that. I love drama. <laughs> yeah. As long as he keeps winning, he'll never be the bad guy to Chiefs fans. Um, well, yeah. yeah. So I'm saying for the league-wide. I mean, you saw the Warriors. They were once the, you know, upcoming, you know, wow, this seems so fun to watch. Oh, wait, they got KD. We hate him now. Something's going to happen where the the crowd NFL will turn on uh, Mahomes. Like, they did Brady. Brady, I'm sure, when he first came up, we were too young to realize. I'm sure everyone's like, yeah. wow, this guy's awesome. Six-round pick. Oh, wait, we hate him now. Yeah, but I feel like it never turned for like Peyton Manning or, or guys like True. that. Like, True. no one really hated Brett Favre. Well, uh, I think some people did. Yeah, I mean, in the division. Yeah, yeah, in the division, everyone hated him, but. No one hated Drew Brees until about like two weeks ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. It's true. That's true. It's true. But if you win enough, eventually other fan bases are going to be, they're going to be tired of seeing you win. It was yeah. nice because the Chiefs hadn't won in forever. Andy Reid, nice story, cool. You win three more in a row or four more. All of a sudden, all right, give someone else a turn and we're over the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, ready to dethrone them. It'll happen. It'll happen eventually. Hopefully they don't win that much. The Packers can sneak in there for another <laughs> Super Bowl or two or the Niners or the Eagles. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll just give you my thoughts from a numbers standpoint on the contract. Um, so he didn't get a contract tied to the percent of the cap, which is what I thought originally. I was like, 10 years, like the cap is increasing almost exponentially at this rate uh just for context uh three years ago Derek carr was the first player ever to make 25 million dollars a year three years ago and are we saying Derek carr is a top tier elite guy no 
He's not. And now, three years later, Mahomes is making about $45 million a year. So if you project, how do you project that out to 10 years from now? You're, you're going to make making a ton more money per year. So you may be making big dough right now, but in 10 years, you're going to be on a super, super cheap deal compared to the other quarterbacks like Joe Burrow and uh, the GOAT Gardner Minshew is going to have his <laughs> big contract. Uh, maybe Jared Goff gets a second contract. Uh, guys like that are going to be making a lot more than he is. Um, and the way that the contract is structured uh, in 2023, there's just a $4 million ca- uh, cap hit. So dead cap if he's cut or traded. Uh, in 2024, there's zero. So um, essentially, there's an out four or six, four years into the to the deal. And then it's sort of six one-year options after that because there's zero dead cap. Uh, they can cut him without any issue. They can trade him without any issue. And he can restructure without any issue. So that's sort of what you look at it as. It's a four-year deal, and then from then, things can change and be restructured, or they can figure something else out to, to make it more market value. One quick point. I believe his contract has no trade uh, value, or no trade clause, so he can't be traded. Well, there you go. You can't cut him either for four years at least yeah. without a huge cap hit. But I don't know why you would ever want to, but <laughs> I mean, I'd imagine you know if he continues to play the level he's playing at, and there is that huge discrepancy down the line, I think he would eventually be able to somehow get his way and restructure that contract up to uh, a relevant amount. But there's two sides to this, and you kind of both stated it. There's security in this 10-year deal, right? Nothing is guaranteed in the NFL. We've seen players go down and careers end. That's why player insurance exists, and and a lot of players um, have that, just because the injury rate in the NFL is unlike any other sport. So there's security in this. I mean, if, if God forbid something were to happen and he's not the same quarterback that he ever was, the Chiefs are paying him a shit ton of money for a long time, right? But on the other side, if he continues to play and and uh, perform at the highest level, he is missing out on money. It's it's unquestionable that he basically is leaving you know a lot on the table. And that Derek Carr number kind of blows my mind that I think he was the highest paid quarterback three years ago or something like that yep when he signed that deal and now we're almost double and it's only three years later so I I don't know that we see that same exponential growth but there's no doubt the cap's going up um and quarterbacks will get paid he he made a lot of other quarterbacks a lot of money with this deal though yes he did there's some very like joe burrow's grinning ear to ear deshaun watson is probably deshaun Deshaun watson Watson. Watson. jared goff you know all these players that are a few years into their current uh deal or about to sign their next deal that are performing well in their rookie contract are stoked so as far as it goes i'm not mad at it i mean he's guaranteeing himself a lot of money and i think down the line if he you know needs to restructure renegotiate there's possibility for it i don't think he signs a 10-year deal without you know that understanding in place maybe even something some sort of stipulation that we're not aware of or privy of privy to but all in all i'm not mad at it i think you take what you can get and in the nfl nothing's guaranteed i mean we saw teddy bridgewater granted he got paid recently a decent amount um kind of oddly but he got paid recently we saw him he, he had all the promise and you know he, he could have been a great quarterback and he destroyed his knee there's mm-hmm. nothing guaranteed so i can't hate on him for taking a 10-year 
500 million dollar deal i mean when that number is in front of you are you not going to sign it if they're like hey look we want to lock you down for 10 years you're our quarterback forever until you don't want to be here's what we are going to give you you're going to be the highest paid quarterback in the league right now and it's going to be 10-year contract like what are you doing if that's in front of you yeah you're gonna say no i want two years a cool 500 million no i want yeah cool 500 mil 500 million in in kansas city in in 10 years in 10 years mahomes is going to be like 32 or 33 35 i think he's 25 right now that's what i said (laughs) 35 he can sign another contract at that point yeah 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 he'll he'll i mean dude he might have he might legitimately be the first quarterback billionaire at this point <laughs> at this rate with inflation and everything going on 10 years from now dude who knows he's gonna be the he's gonna be the richest nfl player in history so one pretty crazy stat is that drew Brees is the career leader in most money made for a player at 245 million and his Mahomes' contract was double that yeah it's it incredible must be nice man yeah must be nice casey why didn't you make it in the nfl bro I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't down to sell out for $500 million. <laughs> ah, they yeah. needed to bump that number up. Those are rookie yeah. numbers, you know? You know who I think has the highest uh, per game earnings, though? I think it's Sam Bradford. Yes. If I remember correctly. Like, like, like per like snap the, or something. Yeah. Games. yeah, like on a per game or per snap basis, he has made the most money because he just never really played. He was hurt all the time. The finesse um, god. Yeah, seriously. Eagles legend, Sam Bradford. Fuck no. Fuck no. Uh, Let's move on to the next news that happened. The Redskins are finally, finally planning to change their name. We have some suggestions as far as what we think would be a good choice to change their name to. And uh, I'm going to let Durgan start this one off. Yeah. What name would you pick, Durgan? Like you said, the name's going to be changed uh, as a matter of if. Or not when, not if. I think the one that will make the fan base most happy is the Hogs, which is kind of a, their unofficial official mascot. These have people dress mm-hmm. up uh, as Hog Mollies, named after their offensive line they had during the last time they were actually good in the 80s and 90s. Uh, but knowing Daniel Schneider, arguably the worst owner in NFL, I think they'll do Reds just because that's the cheapest one to do. You have all the merchandise already to go. You just cancel out the uh, <laughs> K-I-N-S and just have the Reds. Uh, that's that's the most uh, Daniel Schneider move. So I think that's what's going to be. Yeah, when you put it in that context, it, it does make yeah. a lot of sense. Just knock off a couple just, letters yeah, and uh, you can scratch it out on your jersey or your your hat, your memorabilia, your set uh, or whatever. Yeah, and you're you're ready to roll. Uh, I like the generals and the defenders i think that's dc tie if you're gonna make like this is sort of an opportunity for them to totally rebrand so they could even be get rid of washington they could be the G- dc defenders yeah. or the dc generals or something like that and totally sort of reset and throw in a, a uniform change in there all that kind of stuff that might be kind of exciting um but i think those those would be my two picks i know Dwayne haskins wanted the red tails which is a, a callback to the Tuskegee Airmen um, that were the the first African-American aerial combat unit um, in World War II. So I think that's kind of a cool callback and uh, uh, would be a a cool logo as as well, a a unique name, so to speak, as far as sports names goes. Um, So I I think all all three of those would be called Red Tails, Generals, Defenders. I like the Hogs too. What about you, Cyrus? 
I think um, the two I was thinking of, I, I saw somewhere online. Senators would be interesting, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because they're in Washington, you know, D.C. But I don't really like that that much. I just it's just an interesting one. My favorite one would be the Warriors, the Washington oh. Warriors. Is that because you have some <laughs> other affiliation that you would like to disclose? Not at all. It's because I'm a fan of alliteration, and I think the W and the W mm. go really okay, nicely cool. together. Yeah, Washington Warriors. It it, ring, it has a ring to it, right? It feels feels nice when you say it. Say yeah. it, say it, Casey. Say it. Say it's, it out it's not golden, but it, the Washington Ooh. Warriors. It sounds yeah, it sounds right. Good. It feels good. Just like the DC Defenders. Warriors. Yeah, that also sounds good. It didn't cross my mind to change it from Washington to DC, but if they do, I again D D, you know, solid. But yeah, I, think, mm-hmm. I think about it. How are they going to change the logo, uniform, and name? In realistically, like a month and a half when the season starts. That's why uh, Nike's been fucking up jerseys for years, That's so true. I'm sure they can do it in That's true. a short time span if they want. I think they had forever to fix the Rams and yeah. ruin that. I think more realistically, they'll announce that the name will go into effect in 2021. Yeah. I don't know. It's a possibility. Because you have to change I, the logo, I, get it approved and everything. Like This stuff doesn't happen overnight. Like Yeah, you can pick a new name and stuff like that overnight, but you can't just be like, okay, jerseys tomorrow, new logo, new printing on all your stuff that you have. They've been preparing all year for. It is, well, yeah. I also think you underestimate the infrastructure of both the NFL and these teams. I mean, they have they have a ton of people in place to handle this. So I, I don't I don't have any doubt they could get it done in a month. I just feel like the decision process needs to be quick. Like if they take a if they take a, a week or two to decide on it, saying, it probably won't be you done. Have to, like, you have to pick this week and like get it going this week in order to like get it yeah. in time. That's why you yeah. you decide in August. You have a little ceremony and then say, okay, starting next year we'll be. The Washington whatevers. But see, I don't like that because just if I'm putting my business hat on here, thinking about it, this is a huge revenue opportunity. You're going to have a ton of new merch. It's All your fan True. base is going to want to buy the new yeah. whatever you are gear. So if you do it right when the season is starting and, and the hype is building, there's going to be a lot more opportunity, I think, to capitalize on that. Um, I think I think they'll get it done this season. I don't know. if has they, Have they said anything about that, about timing? No, not that I've seen. I mean, I think they actually yeah. have bigger problems with half of their ownership trying to leave. So I don't mm-hmm. know if uh, the logo who was priority number one last week, but in the last few days, I think it's bumped down a little bit. Uh, they're just trying to stay afloat. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll be interesting to follow. I'm I'm really curious what they pick. I think Warrior, Washington Warriors, DC Defenders, good names. Hogs make sense too. Um, we'll see what happens. That's exciting. That is going to wrap things up here on episode 46 of the Weekly Spiral. Thank you so much for tuning in and sticking with us. We really appreciate your support. If you could check us out at weeklyspiral.com, it would mean the world to us. We have a ton of cool content up there. Um, do you guys want to quickly shout out what you have coming up that the people would love to check out? Uh, in theme with our discussion today, Jared Goff breakdown coming out. Um, so that's on our YouTube channel. You can just go to YouTube slash Weekly Spiral or go to weeklyspiral.com and you can find our, our YouTube channel there. But uh, if you want to see my opinion on him, what he's good at, what he's bad at, go check it out. Awesome. Yeah. Jordan, I what about you, man? Got coming out, I guess, today, be Wednesday. Uh, Trey Lance, breakdown, the best quarterback you've never heard of. Plays at North Dakota State, but he might just be a top five pick next year in the draft. And then Friday, Fantasy Fridays are back. I want to take a look at some old faces on new teams. Awesome. Looking forward to it. This has been a weekly Spot production bringing you fresh football every week. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to doing this again next week for episode 47. But until then, we hope you have a great morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this, and we'll see you next week. Bye.